Afternoon, folks. Got a new assignment for you. The judge is having a little soiree, and he needs some help. Ow! No listening. You hear me? Uh, no. You just don't learn, do you? Ow! Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Figure Discount. This week we are here to review episode BABF16, a very, very controversial episode who many people hate it. Absolutely hate this episode. I never did and I still don't. It is Kill the Alligator and Run. I am Dando. And I am Guy and I am confused by the hatred that people have for this episode. It's perfectly okay. I mean, it's verging on mediocre, but it's not terrible. What is going on, Dando? I mean, to... To quote the great, the great Will Ferrell in Zoolander, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Bear with me, guys. Bear with me. Don't crack this shit straight away. If you, if you view this as a standalone episode, it's nowhere near as bad as people say. However, mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, when this originally aired, it came at a time when people were still watching The Simpsons, not religiously, but, you know, week to week, there was still a good portion of the original fan base was still watching the show. I can completely understand why they would have so much disdain for this. It's Because, it's, like, it's... This is the episode I've seen. It. It's very interesting. It's a good way of putting it. I've seen it. Many people said this isn't necessarily the worst episode, but it was the first time. It was the episode where a lot of them went, okay, maybe The Simpsons might not be for me anymore. It's not the show that it was. This was the one, and I can, I can understand oh, okay. it. It's the one where people sort of went, yeah, this isn't the show that I grew up watching anymore. And that's not saying it's bad. That's just saying this sort of, I feel like this episode really emphasizes what people call the Scully era, the Mike Scully era, when he took over in uh, in season nine, I believe. That's when the show sort of started to shift. And um, yeah, by now, this episode, because it's kind of like three or four stories that couldn't make up a full episode, and they just sort of somehow tried to intertwine them together without any real direction. But what I liked about it was the fact that it's been a long time since I've gone back and watched it, and I didn't really know where it was going. I remembered the fact that Captain Jack wasn't actually dead. Um, but I, I completely forgot about them going to the diner and things like that. So if you just watch this as a standalone episode, it's actually enjoyable in the sense that you don't know what's coming next. But I can completely understand if you compare it to what came before, which is exactly what you would be doing if you're watching it in order as you when it originally aired, I can understand why you wouldn't like it. But watching it now as a standalone episode for reviewing this for this podcast... I I enjoyed it. I'm sorry, guys, if you don't like it, but I really enjoyed it. No, look, I can't say I really enjoyed it, but I see, I definitely oh, see okay. where you're coming I, from. I didn't really, I didn't really enjoy it. That's that's probably a bit too much, but I wasn't offended by that. I, I was way, 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 way more offended by the ending of Hello Gutter, Hello Fatter when Maggie saved Homer in the water. That infuriated me. That ending. Nothing in this episode to me, except for maybe the train scene, which we'll get to, makes me go, "Oh, well, that couldn't possibly happen." That's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, nothing in this struck me as lazy overall or as kind of phoning it in as, say, Saddlesaw Galactica, which for mine is probably the you know, the low point of the episodes that we've been covering this season. Really? So you... you, you and that was funny because I liked that episode, except for... I know the ending's wacky, but yeah, I, I found that episode very funny. But yeah, that's okay. fine. Yeah, yeah. But well, look, to each... That's what makes a horse race too. Yeah. <laughs> to, to keep going with that, uh, with that particular metaphor. But I mean, looking at this episode, it's like... Yes, it kind of feels like it's coasting or cruising a bit. Um, I don't know if there are any 
really sort of memorable gags or one-liners or anything like that. But there were one or two that sort of made me go, oh, <laughs> and we're doing audio so you can't see that I'm just doing a little smirk um, because that's <laughs> I didn't chuckle so much, but I was like, eh, it's not bad. I mean, I think I sort of appreciated some gags more than actually enjoyed them. Um, but, yeah, for the most part, it's like, yeah, this was perfectly competent, perfectly cromulent, one might say. Um, but, yeah, I, I can't see why people would think it was a disaster unless, of course, you're looking at the real, at the big picture, at the big Simpsons picture. I think this is an episode that would be far more enjoyed by people. And I'll get, to, I'll explain to you why in a second. People who aren't hardcore fans of The Simpsons would actually enjoy this. Now, I remember watching this as a kid and thinking... There was that moment where they say to Marge, show us your boobs, and she says, not now. <laughs> and I, I, I always remember as a kid thinking, well, Marge wouldn't say that, but I always remember my dad really laughing at it. And I thought, is that just maybe an adult joke that I don't get? But then I sort of, I remembered that, and I thought, maybe it's because my dad's just watching this, just like a standalone comedy show, as opposed to thinking, what would the character of Marge truly say in that situation? He's just watching it for what it is, and he was able to enjoy it as a result. I think that's probably it. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, it's not necessarily faithful to uh, who you think Marge Simpson is, but I, I thought it was. Yeah, that's exactly the joke that I was looking at when I was talking about. It gave me a little smirk. I mean, it's just you know, it's the nice sort of middle ground between you know someone being really offended or being really enthusiastic. Like not now. I mean, <laughs> I, I know it's it's it, it's just a a decent little uh, little comic bit. So, um, what do you think of the guest stars? Well, here's the thing. I mean, we'll get to that in a minute when we sort of talk about our favourites. But, I mean, I don't think anything sort of says, um, hey, this episode was made in 2000 more than a Kid Rock thing. And I'm- <laughs> but see, the thing is, though, if they're going to pick a Kid Rock song, they pick the right one. That's one of the ones that I always enjoyed when I was younger. <laughs> oh, how do you pronounce it? Bawadabba? But Bawadaba, but I just Bawadabab. I, I never knew what the words were. I just, I just made up shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think Kid Rock did also. But did did Kid Rock have like a little uh, wee man hype man in Joe C? I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one hundred percent. Yeah. So he was his little hype man. So I actually did some uh, research on this. So Joe C. He met in ninety four, and he thought Kid Rock initially thought that a, and I'm, this isn't going to intended to offend anyone. He thought there was a child in the crowd, right? Mm-hmm. Which is where the joke for Homer mistaking him for a child came from. A lot of people hang shit on that saying, oh, that's so offensive, Homer saying it's a child. It was actually a joke in the sense that Kid Rock thought Joe C was a child mm-hmm. when he first saw him at one of his gigs. And he thought, man, this isn't really the kind of gig you should bring your kids to. But anyway, whatever, each their own. That's what he thought. And then he got brought backstage, Joe C, and turns out Joe C was 21 years old. And he <laughs> unfortunately passed away when he was 26. Oh, sorry. So he... He, he suffered from, um, what was it, uh, celiac disease, um, so, which stunted his growth, which is why he was only about three foot something tall. Okay. Um, but yeah, he was, he was Kid Rock sort of like, uh, kind of like, I don't know, yeah, like, like, like a hype man. Like basically, he was like part of the package, you know? And yeah. I think <laughs> I enjoyed their appearance. It wasn't, there was nothing, there was no substance to it. They, were, they weren't really part of the story. They were just there reacting to Homer. But I always got a kick out of him going, please don't tell mama. <laughs> <laughs> Well, here's the thing. I mean, I think having a little person as part of your entourage or part of your posse was very much a 90s to early 2000s kind of thing for some reason. I mean, Jackass had Wee Man. Well, yeah, this is not, this is not to uh, diminish the uh, what Wee Man brought to the table with the Jackass crew. I mean, um, Wee Man did some great stuff. I mean, there's a, there's a terrific documentary, by the way, um, 
sorry, another tangent, but uh, feel free to cut this one out, but uh, called Dumb, the story of Big Brother magazine, which was like a uh, skateboarding magazine back in the uh, back in the 90s. And Johnny Knoxville and Wee Man and Chris Pontius and a lot of the Jackass crew sort of emerged from that scene. And there's a lot of great stuff, a lot of great footage of Wee Man um, skating, doing jackass stunts and all that kind of business. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of Wee Man. I think he's I think he's dope. I mean, I, I like the jackass movies <laughs> a lot. Uh, but I think Howard Stern, did Howard Stern have like a a little person sidekick? He or? did, yes. Yes, yeah. I'll look it up whilst you continue. Yeah, but you're I right. Say, it, it, I want to say that, Beetlejuice. Now, now that you mention it, it was a very 90s to early 2000s thing, wasn't it? Yeah. It was, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, so, but yeah, I'd forgotten entirely about Joe C. I mean... Kid Rock, for some reason, lingers in the memory. He just, I, of course, Eric the I, actor. Oh, okay. Hmm. That's that's who Howard Stern's was. Oh, so better known as Eric the Midget, and later Eric the actor was a mentor of the Howard Stern Show. Hmm. Anyway, Kid Rock, I can never really sort of get out of my head because of well, I'm 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 going to say Bubba Bubba because I can't Bubba Bubba because I can't I can't Bubba 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 Bubba. But he had that other song which was that. It, uh, Sweet Home Alabama everybody. Yeah he sampled Sweet Home Alabama and Werewolves of London Both of which are pretty good songs And he mashed them up and made them into a shit song But nevertheless the uh, the, the samples are so good That occasionally it'll be in my head It's like Oh wait that's not, it's not home Alabama. It's not Warren Zevon It's not Lynn Skinner It's bloody Kid Rock Ugh, Why am I going to him first Rather than these other two But if, if, if you didn't know it was Kid Rock Would you be able to enjoy it Like is it one of those things Where you're just like I can't let myself enjoy Kid Rock Because it's Kid Rock Oh it feels kind of pandering to me. It feels like, hey, I'm going to write a song about the summertime. <laughs> could, 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 does it does it mean that again? That sums up early two thousands. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean Kid Rock is a very early two thousands thing, and he's still going to this day. I mean, uh, I mean, more power to him. He's very successful. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> apparently, but apparently he comes from money. I don't know. I mean, I think he's I think his family's not unwealthy. So, okay. uh, I mean. I don't know if they bankrolled his career or anything like that, or if he's the black sheep of the family, and you know, it's one of those things where he kind of ro- he rocks up, he rocks up to like family dinners or Thanksgiving or whatever, and you know, the monocle drops into the glass. Oh, kid, what are you doing? <laughs> you're dis- you're disgracing the Rock family name. I think his real I'm name is his, um, his real name is like Bob Ritchie or something like that. Ro- Robert Ritchie, yeah, well done, yeah. But anyway, so I'm, look- I'm looking up here. He was uh, he was the Born Robert James Ritchie to father William Ritchie, the owner of multiple car dealerships, and mother Susan Ritchie. Oh, okay. Uh, they owned a they owned a six acre estate. So yeah, it sounds like they had some money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're not talking Rockefellers or really that or kid Rockefellers. <laughs> oh, forget it. What a dickhead. Um, <laughs> I was actually really happy with that. If you were, if we we're in the same room, if we we're in the if we we're in the same room right now, rather than doing this over the phone, I'd be I'd be up I'd be going up top. Come on, man. <laughs> Don't leave me hanging. Um, I could tell. I could tell you appreciate that with the little jolly chuckle afterwards. <laughs> oh dear! Well, I've, did I just kill you? <laughs> I've laughed. I've laughed myself into COVID. Oh dear. Um, uh, but yeah, in terms of um, other celebrity stuff, I mean, you got Diedrich Bader in there. I was never a huge fan of the Drew Carey show, which I believe he was on. What? Are you serious? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think there are other shows that I was watching. I mean. I knew that it was on, but it was like I it was never that, really appreciated in Australia. I don't think that much. I it don't was think always so. aired at shit times, and it was it was just one of those shows that you knew it was there, but 
many people didn't watch it. It's kind of, to me, I kind of feel like King of Queens was very similar, except I have, like, I barely watched King of Queens. Mm. I adored the Drew Carey show because I just loved the fact that they just sort of almost took the piss out of the, the, the concept of sitcoms. Not took the piss, but they, you know, we were talking a few weeks back about how 30 Rock did the, the live sitcoms and things mm. like that, the live episodes. Well, Drew Carey were doing that 15 years before 30 Rock were doing it. Okay. Well, I mean, live episodes are a bit of a staple of, of sitcoms as well, but I mean, how, how, many, how many years did the Drew Carey show go, do you think? It probably went for about seven or eight? Uh, nine seasons all up, I think. What? Did you say 19? Nine, nine, nine. Oh. Nine seasons. <laughs> wow, <Yeah>. okay. Oh. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm <laughs> what levels are going back down? They were originally at about eight, and now they're down to about four. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Maybe there was just something else on at the time, or mm-hmm. I just never really got into it. But I knew of Diedrich Bader. I mean, I'd seen him in – he was in Office Space, and I think he was in like the, – they did like a um, – it was a thing they did in the 90s. They, oh, they do it all the time. But uh, they were making, you know, big screen movies of old TV shows. He was know. Jethro. And he was Jethro in the Beverly Hillbillies, you know, and the lovely Erica Eleniak from Under Siege and Baywatch was... Um, I, can't remember, I can't remember that movie. I remember, I remember watching it a lot as a kid, but I can't remember anything that happens. Is it one of those movies that I should just leave in the past? I imagine so. I think it's... I think it, keep it snugly safe in 1993 or wherever, where it belongs. <laughs> in terms of the other guest uh, appearances... Well, it's probably my favourite part of the episode was the whole little Robert Evans thing on um, on late night TV. I had a feeling you'd like that. Yeah, yeah. The thing I'm- is, though, to, to to me though, I mean, I mean, it's hilarious. But it's like I've read that the episode went four minutes too long. They had to cut out some scenes. And when I tell you what scenes they cut out, you kind of think, did you really need to keep that movie reviewer scene in there and cut out this main sequence? And I explain to you why mm. it's probably. The stuff that got deleted was probably more important in a minute, but yeah, tell me why you enjoyed it so much. Oh well, look, I mean, I'm a I'm a big fan of Robert Evans, who was um, he's one of the most successful and prominent, uh, you know, Hollywood studio heads slash executives of of in motion picture history. You know, he was basically this pretty boy actor who never really went anywhere, and for some reason, he he, he managed to finagle his way into you know the production side of things. He had no real experience running a studio but the guy who bought paramount pictures in the 70s said eh, look i think this guy might have something and evans took over paramount and he you know basically was behind love story which they mentioned in it which was a huge hit he was behind the godfather he was behind chinatown he's behind a lot of really iconic hollywood movies of the 70s um and he was also someone who knew about the cult of personality because he very much marketed himself as someone who was intrinsic. I mean, he was as very much a, he was as much a player as, you know, the directors and the actors, you know, he was as high profile. And in 1994, he wrote this um, autobiography called The Kid Stays in the Picture. That was turned into a documentary, I think in 2002. And this, the whole thing, I mean, that, that bit that you see in the, um, in the episode where he's being interviewed by this guy, Charlie Rose, who subsequently got me too'd out of the business because I think he was a bit of a perv. Um, it's very much the whole Evans kind of way of talking, which was kind of like asking a lot of rhetorical questions. You bet I did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that, that's the way he would talk. That's the way he wrote his book. And, and, you know, sort of people took that and ran with it, that whole, 
You think Robert Evans is referring to himself in the third person? Well, you bet your ass he is. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just something I really dig. Now, Robert Evans actually passed away like, uh, I don't know, maybe two years ago. Um, but okay. he was someone who, you know, just had Hollywood m- movies in his bones, man. And I mean, um, I've read Kid Stays in the Picture. It's a fantastic read. I've been reading a few other things about uh, sort of 70s Hollywood recently, and he's very prominent in them. And he just strikes me as a guy who knew how to live. <laughs> um, he, he lived well, which I th- to mine is one of the best compliments you can give anyone. You live very well, and this guy lived very well. So I was glad to see him. <laughs> I'm sorry, that, that, I, went, I went on a bit there, but I mean, anytime I can give a shout-out to Robert Evans, I will do so. <laughs> no, it's one of those things where, personally, like as a, you know, I'm, what, 30, I'm... I didn't really know much about Robert Evans. So I actually, I watched this thinking, I don't really know who, I literally forgot my notes here. Don't know who this guy is. I'm sure Guy will. <laughs> and and how. I'm sure Guy will. I'll let him explain it to me. <laughs> just in, in great detail. Um, <laughs> um, so that no, was, I'm sure the listeners appreciated it. Yeah. Oh, um, we, we, we always learn something each and every week. We get, patrons are always writing in telling us that how much they love your, your wealth of knowledge when it comes to movies. So just, that's just another... <laughs> Feather in your cap. Well, yeah, I mean, I I don't expect people who aren't sort of like major movie buffs or sort of students of the motion picture industry to sort of know who Robert Evans was, even though around this stage he's, yeah, he was sort of in the public eye a bit, mainly just by virtue of him just pushing himself into the public eye more and more. So, um, but the fact that they devoted so much time to him and the fact that he, he actually did it himself, that was him voicing him voicing Robert Evans like oh wow really because I just thought it was a gag yeah and, and usually it would be yeah I was actually surprised as well they got both Charlie and um, Evans on there as well yeah 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 so anyway we've sort of um, I've, I've, I've cut to the chase and given you my whole favorite part of the episode thing already that's all good I was actually just gonna say so I mentioned earlier so there were scenes they deleted and one of the scenes they deleted because this always left me confused right so when they're at the party at the end and it's revealed that the alligator, Captain Jack's still alive. And he, he walks out of the Capitol. He just walks out of the building. And they go, oh, wait, he is still alive. So there was actually a scene that got cut out where kind of like a wake. I know a wake, a, um, a, a viewing of, oh, okay. um, of Captain Jack. Um, and they just thought they, they needed to cut four minutes out. And that was one of the scenes they cut out. But as a viewer watching this, I'm always thinking... Where the fuck was the alligator all this time? Why is he walking out of the building all of a sudden? That is like, weird. And yeah, the, last, it, the last time we saw him, Homer ran him over, and now he, all of a sudden he's walking out. Well, why was he in that building? They never explained it. And I think, like for example, that movie and the movie reviewer scene, as great as it is, surely you would think, what's more important, story structure or a cameo? <laughs> okay, well, maybe it's saying something about uh, season eleven that celebrity cameos and more of them. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, I must admit. When he when old, old Jack did come wandering out of the building, I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's it's kind of in, it's kind of indicative of the way this season has been that things get very rushed at the end, and you know they're not sticking the landing all that often. I mean, not in not uh, often, not in ways that make you go, oh bloody hell, nice one. But there have been one or two good endings in this season so far, and a lot of that have just kind of just petered out. Yeah, yeah. And I was very surprised to read that Schwarzbogler wrote this. I just couldn't believe that. He's, you know, one of the greatest writers of all time to think that he... And he, I think he actually wrote Hello, Gutter, Hello, Fatter, did he not? I can't remember actually now, but it's, mm. it's just surprising to me that this guy who's always held in such high regard 
is putting out episodes that don't really seem to make much sense, but maybe he's just his idea of comedy changed at that point in time in his life. I have no idea. But I've also read a lot of people having uh, disdain for the character of Homer in this episode, and I can completely understand. He is... You do see the worst versions of Homer in this. For example, mm. um, willing to risk his family's life by tipping a truck, uh, tipping the car over, including his infant daughter. I mean, I watched that and didn't think about that. But then the guy at work today, well, I won't say his name, but the guy at work today goes, I oh, mean, like that time when fucking Homer tips the car, tips the family car over and leaves his baby inside and then runs off to party with teenagers. I was like, oh, yeah, you're kind of right. I didn't think mm. about it at the time. But upon reflection, I was like, yeah, Homer's a real jerk. And then when he sort of, he forgot that Maud died. And I was like, yeah, Homer's a, a real fucking jerk in this episode. Uh, yeah, there's a difference between sort of like being, you know, sort of blithely insensitive or... Yeah, it's it's pushing it to a bit of an extreme here. I mean, I won't say this is a mean-spirited episode, but it is kind of casually cruel in some regards. I mean, it's very patronising as well, I think. It's, it's a bit condescending to the, the people of the flying state of Florida. And the whole sort of like... Oh, we're at the back and we're living in a trailer and I'm whittling at a 10th grade level. And blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, yes, we've all taken the piss out of rednecks or whatever at one stage or another, but you guys really seem to be sinking the boots in and for no particular reason other than, I don't know, you're feeling kind of superior that day? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it wasn't so bad that I was like, wow, you guys are snobs and you can fuck off. But it was more like, I'm not sure I see the point of this. Yeah, I mean, yeah. or, or if you're going to, if you are going to, do that kind of thing um i don't know maybe do it with a little more finesse than this i guess that's what the problem is with this episode is that i don't know whether this is worse or not what's worse an episode that leaves me going well that was shit i didn't like it or an episode that leaves me going that was kind of pointless what's worse an episode Mm. that leaves you feeling nothing or an episode that leaves you feeling angry that's a good point because i mean i think sometimes you'll have people going oh, well, oh, I feel angry, but at least I'm feeling something. So, I mean, you know, maybe there's people out there who you know, feel the polar opposite for me and really love it. And But with an episode that makes you go, eh, it, it, it may well be the thing that uh, most people are going to go, eh. So, I don't know, maybe an episode that provokes extremes is better. But having said that, I mean, we've, we've reviewed episodes this season that, I don't know if they've made me angry, but they've certainly, they've certainly disappointed me. In yeah, that's, like, that's, that's uh, the word. I thought, I thought, disappointed. Yeah, I thought, yeah. I'm not. I'm not angry, Simpsons team. I'm just disappointed because <laughs> yeah, because we asked the patients what they thought of the episode, and the majority of the uh, responses were either didn't like it or eh, whatever. It's just kind of there. It's just like a episode. Take it or leave it. I'm like, yeah, it's not. You don't really ever hear anyone say it's a good episode. It's either they didn't really care for it or they hate yeah. it. Yeah, mm. but anyway, and yeah, I mean. Ap- apathy is yeah, not the response you want. No, from, definitely um, not. Yeah, for anything that you put out there, really. I mean, I think I, if and when I you know, write a novel or a screenplay or anything like that, oh, time's running out, guy. But um, I think I'd rather have people go, oh, dude, terrible. What were you thinking? As opposed to, eh, it's all right. It's okay. So the, our latest iTunes review just says completely apathetic towards this podcast. So maybe it's not a good sign of the direction of the show. <laughs> no! <laughs> hey, my favourite! So you mentioned your favourite moment before. I had a couple. I really enjoyed Homer's... <laughs> I'm going to represent myself. Drunken Hicks of the Jury. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I was sort of looking at it going, I can't tell if they're angry that they're being called yeah, dicks. Or- they, 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 should, they shouldn't have shown the jury at all. Because I watched the jury and I was like, they don't really look like drunken hicks. It should have yeah. said, drunken hicks of the jury. And it is cut to them. Out, out <laughs> digging, uh, hitting rocks or whatever it is they were doing. But I also really liked because I've realised that there's a couple of moments in this episode that have stuck with me my entire life. And I had Ooh. no fucking idea they were in this episode. So, first one being... That's what I've been trying to tell you. <laughs> I say that all the time, just like that, knowing that Homer Simpson said it at some point, but having no fucking clue when he did, and it was in this episode. So that's one plus. Ah. And the other one was, whenever I hear we built this city, I always say, this kick-ass city, what kind of music built this city? I always sing it just like Homer does in this episode. I can't, <laughs> I can't sing that song without saying this kick-ass city. It's, I don't know why, but it's, those two <laughs> things have stuck with me since I first watched this episode, but I had no idea from this episode. So that's at least some positives that came from it. <laughs> there we go. Next question. You there, eating the paste. Trivia for this week. Alrighty, I'm going to kick off. We need to start flying through this because we have gone a long time, but this episode deserved a bit of in-depth discussion, I believe, because I th- there, was a, I think there so. was a lot to dissect and there's a lot more to dissect once we get into the actual review. But my first question is, uh, what did Homer see at Maud's funeral? Oh, Or, the, or the, the day of her funeral? Oh, what did he see, did you say? Mm, he said, I saw a something that day. What a good day. Oh, no, I'm think blanking. Ca- think, Tell me. Think, think Caddyshack. Oh, we saw a, a, a gopher? A gopher, correct. Oh, well, you had to really lead me along that one. So I don't know if I get a point for that. But. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't go back and check, but I would have really appreciated if that episode, um, well, and again, Natural Diddly, just randomly had a gopher in the background. That would have been, some, <laughs> that would have been a great payoff. <laughs> it would have been, actually. Yeah. Uh, when Homer is giving Flanders his love score of mm. 61, what does that make Ned? Frigid Frida? It does indeed. Frigid yeah. Frida. Frigid Frida. Uh, how many boobs did Homer see at spring break? <laughs> he saw 15. <laughs> I, that was one of the jokes I always loved as a kid. It sounds, it sounds so, you know, just so immature, but fuck, I always remember laughing so hard at this. I think it's also delivery. 15! And then just passes out. <laughs> um, who replaces Sepulveda? As the uh, VJ. I have no idea. It was, a, it was a bizarre name. It is. It was a Cienega. Cienega. Uh, both of, Sepulveda and Cienega are apparently streets in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. Did not know that. And I, I really got a kick out of that scene as well because it was just so true. Every time you turn on Channel V, there was a different host. <laughs> they were so Channel V. They were so bloody Denny Clayton or Yumi oh, Child. Oh, God. And who's or, that guy? James Matheson. Ugh. Oh, yeah, with the bug eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just that line from Ghostbusters. Whenever I saw James Matheson, I was like, "Stop staring at me, James Matheson. You got the bug eyes, James." I'm sorry about the bug eyes thing. <laughs> I remember once they did the Channel V live tour bus, whatever fucking thing was from Geelong Waterfront, and they oh. had a they had a local band called uh, what were they called Twenty Eight Days or whatever, and they were playing a song. And I remember James Matheson was like uh, asking for people's opinions from the crowd, blah blah blah. And I'd been up the front and I'd been there for like hours and I just wanted to get my face on television. You know, I was like fucking 12 or 13 at the time, maybe a bit older. <laughs> and he was interviewing all the girls and I remember him going, girl, 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 got to me and fucking just drive by. Just would not even talk to me. Just was, it wasn't a girl. And I <gasps> punched him on the back and he turned to me and gave me the biggest death stare ever. And I think I 
pooed my pants a little bit. <laughs> oh, the death stare with those eyes. Oh. On, and, and it's on, it was on, I recorded it. I do not have the tape anymore. It might be at my parents' place, but there's a video somewhere of me punching James Matheson right square in the middle of the back because he drive by me. <laughs> oh, nice one. Yeah, Matheson, what a chode. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your uh, next question? It, did I? Oh, just, it was my, did it's my question, one? I think. It's my question, yes. I think, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, what was the reason Homer gave for not being able to pull over? There's no good spots. Yeah, uh, but what? why? Oh, sorry. When the guy says, um, there's a spot over there, what does Homer say? Oh, too sunny or something? Or No, no shade, yeah. No shade, that's right. <laughs> um, uh, what is the name of uh, the Simpsons holiday destination in Florida? Where they? Oh, man, that was going to be one of my questions and I forgot to write it down. Oh, is, is it, it starts with L, right? Uh, there's an L in there. Oh, well, <laughs> I don't know that. What is it? It's Palm Corners. Palm Corners. Okay. Um, what required restocking at the diner? Oh, Marge said. I think Marge says go restock the something. We're out of this. Oh no! Again, sorry, drawing a complete a, blank. Another take on another piss take on on hillbilly. So it's uh. Restock the possum bar because we're out of claws. Old cl- out of claws, that's right, yeah. <laughs> what does Captain Jack eat? I know he eats hobos. Mm, that's one. Uh, cr- criminals? Close enough, convicts. Convicts, yeah, okay. Mm. No chunks of hobos. <laughs> <laughs> um, my final question is, what or who or how many people did the woman raise in her trailer? Now, this is one of those trick math questions because I think there were a. It was like six chillin', three young'uns, and a, and a, and a grandbaby or something along those so, lines. Yeah, so, so you, you get the names right. So eight, eight young'uns, three chillin's, and a baby. Yeah. <laughs> All right, my last question is um, when Bart delivers the paper to Homer, Homer pays him with uh, what kind of money? Uh, something mafia. Mil- militia mafia. Maf- uh, militia? Ah, uh, something militia. What is it? It's Montana Montana militia. Montana militia. That's right. Yes. <laughs> um, still not legit. So no, it was not. incorrect there. <laughs> it it will be soon enough. Or something along those lines. Alrighty, I think it's time we get to some new names. What do you think, Mister Davis? New titles. New titles. Let's do this. Let's do this. From this day forward, your names will be. Okay, before we get into the new names this week, we need to give shout-outs to our $20 patrons, Jordan Moleman, Richie, Nick Barbaro, Andrew Zur, Christopher Darby, Chris Malion, Will Manthorpe, Ben Smith, Noah Lucasiewicz, Matt Thompson, Mark Boston Burgess, and Alex Rodriguez. Thank you so much for your support, guys. And don't forget, if you want to get your name read out on every single podcast, as well as receive a Stonecutters officially licensed ring. It's going to be a $20 patron for three months or more. Posted out the ones recently. So our $20 patrons are going to be receiving theirs in the mail any day now. It's a bit up in the air because of the whole COVID thing. But also we give a shout-outs to our new $5 plus patrons. We've got Jonathan Ree, or Jonathan Ray, Jaden McDonough, and Jordan Saviel. Thank you so much for your support. Remember, guys, if you've got a few spare dollars, which I know is hard to come by at the moment, but uh, if you do and you want to support the show and get a bunch of exclusive content in return, it's just patreon.com slash discount. You get your name right out in the show. You get this show a week early, as well as, you know, the Seinfeld podcast a bit earlier. We've got the Future On podcast a few weeks earlier. You also get access into the monthly prize draws, access into the Four Finger Discount Patreon group, 
and so much more. It's um yeah. If you do have the spare change, we would really love your support. Otherwise, just continue to listen to the show and uh, yeah, just, just support the show however you can. We do appreciate each and every one of you. But for now, Mr. Davis, what have we got this week in regards to the new names? Some good stuff this time around. I was uh yes, very happy with the work put in by some of our favourites and some new faces as well. Now, given the spring break milieu of uh, of the episode, there are a lot of sort of plays on that. Our man Jimmy Ferruja came up with Springfield Break. Then mm-hmm. D.L. Gorman has Springfield Breakers. Um, and Beth Anslow Johnson had Spring Breakdown. Alistair Danik had Spring Breaking Bad. Nice work on uh, all your parts, yeah. folks. Very, very good. I mean, uh, great minds think alike, as they say. Uh, I liked Alex Swan's Bereave It or Croc. <laughs> I thought that was mm-hmm. pretty good. Alice Kaylee Burton came up with uh, variations on a theme. She had Gator Aid and Gator Raid. Uh, also, Harrison McClure had, uh, I believe he had Gator Aid as well, so props to that. <laughs> I don't know if this is specifically designed to get points uh, from me, Sam Fox, but uh, close but no cigar, but it's a very nice, well, I mean, you were very close, and the cigar's not that good, so don't worry about it. But uh, Kid Rock the Presentable. Now, given my love for, <laughs> given my love for Kid Presentable, um, that could be well be seen as a, a, a potential bribe of guy, but uh, not quite in the three, two, one. But still, qu- quite good, quite good. Um, and what else have we got here? Oh, and our man uh, Jordan Ritchie. Well, I <sighs> uh, believe Mole Man Ritchie is his name. What? What? What did I say? Jordan Ritchie. You pulled a dando. <laughs> did, did I not include the Mole Man just then? You did, you did not, know. Oh, Jordan, Mole Man Ritchie. I'm sorry, my dude. Um, <laughs> oh, send him another Stonecutter's ring or something just to make up for it. But um, I, I think I was thinking ahead of myself because, Dando, you may have to sort of... Because uh, it's the song, it's the Kid Rock song that I can't remember. But he's put but with doll somewhere in there as well okay (laughs) which i thought was pretty good yeah i think that uh that will be it for honorable mentions cool what are our three two ones who's got the one point for this week okay the one point goes to someone who i think has uh sort of been fairly low profile in the new titles uh running it's francis lynch francis lynch has never been on the board but they are now what do they got well I, I like this. Just the title was not weird enough for an episode set in Florida. But what, what what's it? Not weird enough for an episode set in Florida. But you were just saying how it wasn't really. It was too weird. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I I I, I reserve the right to turn on a dime. <laughs> okay, so one point to Francis Lynch. Indeed. Oh yes. Uh, two points go to our man Andrew Parker. Andrew Parker. Uh, for. Yes, for Crocodile M for Murder. Crocodile M for Murder. Not That's pretty damn good. Dial it's D-I-A-L, good. I believe. Indeed, right? yes. Even though even though I believe uh, old, old, old mate Jack, Captain Jack, is in fact an alligator and not, not a crocodile. That's true. So ah, so going by your theory last week, is it technically worth points then? Since uh, tequila wasn't worthy enough of getting a point because it wasn't beer. Uh, as I said, yeah, I, I reserve the right to change my mind at oh, any given you, you, moment. You're, you're losing credit each, each time you open your mouth, Mr. Davis. <laughs> this is the story of my life. <laughs> this is the title of my autobiography. Uh, and three points. Standing atop the uh, the victor's podium, 
uh, arms raised high, looking super handsome or super gorgeous or whatever. It's DL Gorman. Uh, this is getting DL ridiculous. Gorm- You're picking DL every week. <laughs> I certainly am not. Well, and if I am, it's because DL keeps coming up with the goods. But what does uh, DL come up with this week? Well, it's a two-parter because DL came up with Crocodile Done Died. Again, it's, yeah, it's, it's good. It's it's crocodile. Again, it's crocodile. <laughs> oh, okay. If it makes you happy, Dando, I'll sit down after this and I'll write down a, a series of rules for myself when it comes to new uh, when it comes to new titles. Uh, but it's just because but you I, hung shit on Mole Man for like two minutes last week about why he doesn't deserve points. <laughs> and I hang shit on the Mole Man. I would never hang shit on our, on our boy, the Mole Man, <laughs> on Jordan Mole Man Richie. Uh, but. Dio really sort of takes it and runs with it with uh, his alternative title, Insomniac, Jack Gets Whacked, Whip Goes Crack. <laughs> it covers the whole episode and in rhyme. Nice work, Dio Gorman. Alrighty, so the current leaderboard stands in third position, Andrew Parker on 12 points. In second position is Dio Gorman on 16 points. Ooh. And in first position is Mr. Garode Harrahill still sitting atop just... Three points clear of second on 19 points. So we've got three episodes left and there's three points deciding first and second. And then it is a, it's a tight race for uh, for third position as well. We've got Christopher Darby on seven, Jordan Ritchie, Jordan Moleman Ritchie, I should say, on six points. Uh, we've got Jimmy Ferruja on eight and Alistair Danik on nine. So any of those guys are sneaking for third for a, one of the uh, the gag prizes as well. But um, mm. yeah, Garrow's still on top, three points clear of second on 19 points. Well, Dando, given Mr. Harrahill's um, position at the, uh, you know, the, the, the pinnacle of the, of the ladder, would you say he's top gear? You've made that joke like four times. Oh, have I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was the best, that was the best delivery of it. See, uh, <laughs> I swear that, you deliver it that way every time too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh dear, that's great. Oh, okay, sorry, folks. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's, that's, that's the kind of top-notch, fresh content you tune into Four Finger Discount for. <laughs> Alrighty, guys. The original air date for Kill the Alligator and Run was April thirtieth, two thousand. Uh, the chopboard gag is: I am not here on a fart ball. Wait, is that right? I am not here on a fartball. Fartball scholarship. Oh, of course. Oh, I, I missed the word scholarship. I'm like, something's not... I'm like, it made sense when I read it. It doesn't make sense when I read it now. <laughs> um, uh, and the couch gag is the uh, family walking across hot goals. And they all get to the couch. So the episode kicks off with Homer receiving his issue of... What, what is it, like Quiz Weekly or something? It's all these different quizzes. Self-help monthly or something? Self-help, okay, yeah. Um, basically yeah. just different yeah, quizzes to tell you. It's, it's When you go on Facebook now and it's like, which Disney character are you? <laughs> do you ever do those quizzes? I've never I've, done any of them. I've done one once. And it was something to do with The Simpsons. And then all of a sudden I started getting all this targeted advertising. I was like, ah, oh, yeah. fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lisa suggests that, you know, you, we don't ask you, you should be asking other people the questions. You'd be the quiz master. And Homer's line here, I feel like this is kind of like a subtle jab at themselves where they're like, hmm, that should entertain me briefly. As if to say, <laughs> this, is, this is just going to be an initial setup for something that's going to be coming later. This is nothing to do with the actual story of the episode. It's just something we've got to do to kill some time at the start. Yes. So uh, he goes and tests Ned. 
Okay, Flanders, your love quiz score is 61. That makes you a frigid Frida. I took off 30 points for all that crying you did. Well, it was a little insensitive giving me a sex test, seeing that my wife just passed away. No way! When? Six months ago. You were at the funeral. You fell into the grave. <laughs> oh, yeah. I saw a gopher. What a day. I'm not, I don't know where I sit on that. It's just overly cruel when in the episode of Alone Again Natural Diddly, he was so well written, he was so considerate and thoughtful towards Ned and really wanted to help him. And now he's forgotten that Mordiv and died. I was like, come on. Yeah, it's... Uh, look, I'm all for throwing continuity under the bus if it's uh, for the sake of a good gag. But uh, yeah, I mean, how, it's six months have passed, uh, I think, in the um, in the series... A matter of weeks have passed uh, in in terms of in terms of real time. Mm, yeah, I think the the wounds are still a bit uh, a bit fresh. So to be yeah poking that kind of fun, hmm, I'm I'm not a huge fan of it. Although I did I did like Frigid Frida. I thought that was a pretty funny gag. He goes to uh, quiz Lenny and Carl. They do a discussion of the Backstreet <laughs> the Backstreet Boys because uh, I think it's that Carl likes Nick because he's so good to his mother. Which ones? Which one do you think has a little rat face? The Backstreet Boys. I thought it was probably Brian, but I could be wrong. Mm. So you had AJ Scott, I think. AJ Scott, Nick, Brian. Howie? And Howie, that's the other one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't well, can't, None which, of them really have a rat face, do they? Did Timberlake have a rat face? You know, hang know, was Timberlake you, a Backstreet you, Boy you, or was you, he in sync? You think you're thinking of NSYNC? <laughs> of course, yeah. So I, I knew coming out of my mouth, it's like, Wait a minute, Timberlake wasn't a Backstreet Boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I cut, I think Brian maybe. I I don't know. Um, anyway, I feel like Brian was always like the lead singer of the band. Do you know the one I'm talking about? He had like the short brownish hair. Oh he was yeah, the, yeah, he, yeah. He, was, he was the werewolf in the film clip for Backstreet's Back. I'll tell you what, I think I know more Backstreet Boys songs than I do In Sync songs. Oh, hundred percent. I was never even into. And sync. I fucking love Backstreet Boys. Didn't even know. And I know, but I I don't think I even like and sync songs now. I didn't like it when they came out. And I don't like them now. Did In Sync do Bye Bye Bye? In Sync did, did Bye Bye Bye, and I fucking despise that song when it came out as a kid. Because yeah, just... I'm not a huge fan. But Backstreet ba- Backstreet's Back is pretty good. Oh man! Um, as long as you love me by the Backstreet Boys was the first single I ever pa- bought with my own money. I would have been like eight. It was. A, it all- was a, it's a fucking tune. <laughs> Oh yeah! Look, in all honesty, there's um they've got one called I think it's called the Shape of My Heart. Oh I'm yeah, like, it's a good song. Yeah, that's actually a really good song. It's a really good sort of power ballad. Yeah, so, honestly, honestly, the the epitome of you if you go to like '90s pop, the ultimate in my opinion. This is just the little nerdy data coming out. The ultimate boy band song of the '90s is "I Want It That Way" by the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> Do you it's know pretty, that song? It, Oh, of course I know that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are my fire. What a song. It's a fucking jam. <laughs> I'm, was it, did the Backstreet Boys have like any breakout guys though? I think they probably tried to make Nick the, the breakout Nick Carter guy. tried to, but no, there was no breakout yeah. guys. There was no Justin Timberlake of that band. And they sort of realised that and quickly got back together for a reunion tour, like three years yeah. after they split up. <laughs> I'm just remembering because I think it was around this period or certainly in the early 2000s that you had at least one guy from a, from a boy band yeah, break out, try to break out Timberlake style. And, you know, Timberlake, of course, had Sexy Back and, and all that kind of stuff, which, you know. Uh, Tim, Timberlake talk- had lots of songs. <laughs> yeah, oh, of course he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but I remember the Jordan Knight 
from the New Kids on the Block tried that stuff as well? See, that was New Kids on the Block were like three or four years too early for me. They were, they, they, yeah. were, they were done and dusted before I was even into music. Yeah. But no, there was... Jordan Knight had a, had a song called Give It To You. And it had that same sort of it had the same sort of production as as Sexy Back. And it was, you know, trying to be, Hi, I'm Jordan and I'm gonna give it to you. Something along those lines. I mean, I, it was it was direct quote. It, 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 that's not a direct quote. <laughs> I'm Jordan, I'm gonna give it to you. But 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 it was so obviously a thing like you think that Justin Timberlake sexy well. Hmm. <laughs> Nighttime is the right time, or something along those lines. There was someone. <laughs> there was someone else from NSYNC. I think it was from NSYNC. It's got like JC Chazaz or something. You had oh that song, yeah, yeah. All yeah. day, all day, I dream about sex or something. Oh, for real? Do you remember? I, that I thought song? that was a. I thought that was a corn song. A what? Corn. Corn I don't know, with the, a K. We're, th- we're thinking of different a different song. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, but they had a song called. They had the song Adidas, and the the it was the acronym for All Day I Dream About Sex. Oh, okay. Well, obviously he he stole that title then, <laughs> but anyway, anyway, <laughs> yes. let's get back of, to the of, t- of teenage of every teenage boy in the world who you know when they're thirteen or so would go up to a girl and say, "You know what NSD stands for? It stands for all day I dream about sex." <laughs> and, <laughs> is, that, is that seriously and, a thing? <laughs> I've never heard. Maybe, that, I've never heard that acronym ever in my life. Is that was that? Have you not heard that before? Did? <laughs> <laughs> did you used to do that? I never did it. I was I was way too sophisticated for that. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was in. I was instead. Oh, actually, no. We'll, I'll talk about that when we get to it. But um, okay. Yeah, okay. So, so stay listening because yes, you'll get more of guys' seduction tips. <laughs> <laughs> Marge, Marge and Homer in bed. Um, Marge has had enough of hearing about the quizzes. Um, she tells Homer to take the quiz himself, and he does. And this is where he learns that he's going to be dead in three years. So if you actually, he says here something along the lines of. Um, non-smoker uh, at eight years. So what they're saying is, if he was a smoker, he would have died five years ago. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Because yeah, I did the maths, and Homer is thirty-nine years old. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if he's if he's a non-smoker and they add eight years, and then he's dead in three, that means hey. if he had a smoke, he would have been dead at the age of thirty-four. Well, let's face it, Homer does not live. As I said before, he does not live well. I mean, he's very much a creature of his own appetites, and. Uh, yeah, sometimes they'll catch up with you. I mean, as noticed, he's he's eating ribs in bed. He lives the Farley lifestyle. It is. <laughs> by by the way, I did notice that on the um, on the tin of ribs, I think that he's got it's a pig basically eating its own rib. Yeah. <laughs> God, that's gross. Um, Homer's sad because you won't live to see the children die. Marge then says, you know, you need to make some lifestyle changes if you're going. Oh, you the know. worst. It, Dando, you're a young man. You, you, you may already be doing this because you're a responsible fellow, but uh, uh, the minute you hear either someone who cares about you uh, or a healthcare professional saying, I think you're going to have to make some lifestyle changes, like, oh, man. <laughs> I, but I like my lifestyle. That's why it's my lifestyle. <laughs> Don't make what, me change what, what, it. At what age were you when you were told to make a lifestyle change and what for? Was it like alcohol uh, or something? No, it was more my... Um, Cocaine addiction. Yeah. <laughs> it was all the heroin. No, no. Um, it was probably my uh, enjoyment of saturated fats and such. Really? Oh, man, that's the worst oh, when, they're to- when they tell you your eating habits. I feel like that's more embarrassing than having like a drug addiction. It's like you need to stop being a fatty McFat fat. <laughs> pretty much. It's like 
You don't even have a cool addiction like heroin or coke. No, like, no. It's- <laughs> what are you hooked on? Uh, cheeseburgers. <laughs> <laughs> well, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix, Mr. David. So I- <laughs> anyway, so Homer storms off because he doesn't want to make any changes, uh, any lifestyle changes. Uh, and he's downstairs, and this is where we get uh, him saying, can't sleep, going to die. Reminded me of Bart saying, can't sleep, clan will eat me. Uh, with, yeah, with I was thinking bed. that too. And mm. then we get one of your favorite moments, Mr. Robert Evans, his interview with Charlie Rose. We're back with legendary producer Robert Evans. Now, before you did The Godfather, there was Love Story. Tell us about that. Ah, Love Story. The little picture that could. Was Paramount chopping at the bit to make it? <laughs> you better believe they weren't. But once that tear-jerky hit John Q. Popcorn, it was Bafo Boohoo box office all the way. <laughs> and the critics loved it too. I remember Vincent Canby said, I'm going to kill you, Homer. You are so dead. <laughs> now, Chinatown was a classic. Could you had problems with the sequel, The Two Jakes? Oh, boy. Disappointed. I had the blues like Chasen's had chili. I said to myself, Evans, you forgot Hollywood rule number one. Kill Homer Simpson. Hey, what's all the screaming? Some of us have grammar school in the morning, you know. Maybe you should see a doctor, homie. A head doctor. I'm not crazy. It's a TV that's crazy. Aren't you, TV? The crisis, Charlie Bluedon's birthday. The solution, a snappy banner. Out comes the phone, in flies Bobby Town, and six drafts later, I had myself a party. You see? Gibberish. All gibberish. You know, I actually miss shows like that. I mean, because everyone on YouTube is now just a movie reviewer. As long as you've got a camera or a phone or whatever, you can just film yourself reviewing the movie. But, you know, we used to... Well, who, were the, who was the, the woman and man in Australia that we used to have on SBS? Oh, that, David and Margaret. Or Margaret and David. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. So that they were like our Siskel and Ebert, right? Oh, yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Margaret and David were on the air for goodness knows how long. And, uh, yeah, they were sort of the uh, the voice of authority when it came to... Yeah, well, what's out this week? And, oh, what does David think? Oh, well, you know, Margaret disagrees. And, you know, it was always entertaining to watch. And they were were knowledgeable people who, you know, they didn't necessarily have scorching screen charisma, but, uh, you know, they knew how to hold your attention and you had a string of sentences together. They were good stuff. And shows like that I almost see as like the the early versions of podcasts or vodcasts because if you just took Mm. those shows and just, just ripped the audio from it, it's essentially like listening to a podcast. Oh, yeah, very much so, I think. That's why I like those kind of shows because you kind of like being a child like myself who didn't have that many friends. You'd watch shows like that, and I, I don't, I'm not saying these old people were my friends, but you just sort of feel like you're part of the conversation. Absolutely. So Homer's basically lost his mind, hasn't he? So he thinks the TV's talking to him. The family are yeah. all starting to really worry for him. Um, Marge says you need to go see a head doctor. We cut to the power plant here, and the government inspector is at the plant doing a inspection, obviously. And Homer, Homer here is like one level past a little bit too crazy to the point where I felt a little bit uncomfortable. Like when he was nursing the, the, the doll, I was like, yeah, this isn't funny anymore. This is just a little bit creepy. Yeah, I think you've got a fair bit of that with this episode. It's like they have they don't know how to sort of uh, uh, calibrate the jokes. It's like you're going a bit too far or you're, you're a bit too mean or you're, you're not going hard enough or you've gone too far. You're not really hitting the sweet spot all that often. And yeah, you know, every once in a while, it kind of it kind of does it. But uh, yeah, for the most part, it's like mm, you're in the vicinity, you're in the ballpark. But yeah, you, you just went a little too far with it, or you didn't go far enough. 
I, I read a review, and that's and one of them. Absolutely, this might have even been on Wikipedia where someone said this was the first episode that felt like it was on. It was ADD suffering from ADD oh. because it just it just couldn't sit still. It was just going too far, like you said, with with its jokes. It couldn't focus on one story. It was just all over the place. <laughs> mm. um, so Hamburg goes to see the plant psychiatrist, and this is where. He's uh, diagnosed with uh, insomnia and it's because of his fear of death. So the psychiatrist says you need to go uh, go have a rest somewhere. It's just Florida. And Homer describes Florida as America's wang. Was this the first time it was described as America's wang? I, I imagine so. I mean, I thought that was a pretty good joke. Uh, <laughs> Florida, but that's America's wang. I know a lot of people refer to Florida as America's wang. I was wondering whether it was because of this episode or whether the Simpsons got it from somewhere. I can't recall having hear, having heard it before this. They're on their way to Florida. This I really appreciated in the sense that it's just kids fighting over nothing. So oh, Bart's sitting growing. next to me. Lisa's growing. Yeah. <laughs> that was good, but I'll tell you what made me smile. Um, and I think we've had one or two of people oh, yes. in the patrons pointing it as well. Another flag gag. They were so prominent that I had no idea. I never paid attention, but there's so many of them in this season. It's great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's just one of those things where I felt like the animators just put it in because it made them laugh. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I, I just love that Homer just, you know, is so keen on showing his allegiance to various things. This, this, one, just says, little flag for it. this, this one just says mental. <laughs> 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 it was, I must say, it was strange seeing Marge drive the car with the family in it. It's not often that Marge is driving when Homer's in the car. That's a good point. Yeah. I can't recall the last... I mean, obviously, there would have had to have been times, but off the top of my head, I can't think of the last time Marge was driving and Homer in the passenger seat. Anyway. So, yeah, so they uh, arrive, and unfortunately, it's not going to be uh, quiet and peaceful. It's because it's spring break. The boobs on the window was a moment that I always remembered as a kid. Take them off the glass. Take them off the glass. <laughs> I always remember yep. that. And the, the little... Which is a, uh, a a tribute, by the way, to a, a rap track from 1994 called Put Em On The Glass. By, oh. yes, by uh, that, the knight of hip-hop, Sir Mix-a-Lot. I did not know that. Okay, then. Thank you for the little insight, Mr. Davis. Um, <laughs> I am your one-stop shop for all uh, information on Sir Mix-a-Lot. <laughs> uh, and Homer uh, ends up, you know, getting out of the car and joining the party, tipping the car, which we discussed earlier, which I didn't really think was necessary. But, um, yeah, he goes off to party with the, uh, with the school kids. We come back from commercial, we're now at the hotel. The song here they used was the same one they used in the episode Sunday, Cruddy Sunday, where they go to the Super Bowl. The one that has the the, okay. the, uh, the uh, fuck Murdoch quote at the end where he says he's a billionaire tyrant. That's that episode. Oh. Um, yeah, so when they were just on the bus having a good time, that's the exact same song they used. So obviously they must have paid for the rights to use it more than once. Um, <laughs> so here, I actually thought when the kids changed the name of the hotel on the sign, they actually made it a better name because wasn't it the Royal Fart Inn? Yes. <laughs> and they change it to the frat in. I feel like frat yeah. is much more, you know, presentable than the fart in. <laughs> well, absolutely. And, you know, a frat is a is short for, for fraternity. Where, of course, all, yeah. All these guys are college kids, so yes. It's, um, yeah. They're, they're making their mark in, in Palm Corners, Florida. Uh, they get the guy asking Marsha to show them her boobs. She says, not now, which... <laughs> I guess if you want to nitpick, isn't something Marge normally say. But then when you think about it, Marge does have a bit of a wild side. So, <laughs> a little bit. But I mean, I don't think she intends to ever show them her boobs. No, I've, I've, um, yeah, but, yeah. I, but I think it was just more indicating that um, I've got a lot going on here, kids. So, yeah, not now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then we get the, re- the really good reveal here of Homer saying he's not going to go anywhere and he's actually tied to his bed. 
so here there's obviously a there's a big obvious animation glitch. So Homer's going party and he's still strapped to the bed and he's going through the door. If you listen to me how nerdy I am, if you freeze frame it, if you freeze frame it, um he's behind the door and in the next frame he's in front of the door. So the uh. so, so he didn't go around, he didn't go through the doorway, he literally went like a, a good, you know, third of the bed was behind the second closed door and in the next frame when he moves forward it just goes through the door <laughs> that's a bit of a cheat on the part of the animators come on guys lift your game <laughs> uh, and then he hitchhikes to the beach so we're now at spring break and this was great the host getting fired I, I just loved it so much because it was just so true <laughs> <laughs> nice little Logan's Run shout out with her uh, that's um, it's a movie from the 70s a science fiction movie where uh, it's the perfect society. It's the reason it's the perfect society is no one's allowed to live past 30. And you've got a little crystal in your palm, and when that goes red, it's like, uh-oh, well, it looks like it's time for me to die. Thank uh, you so- for that insight, because I had no fucking clue what that was what that was referencing. I knew you would know it. <laughs> I've got here. Please ask, <laughs> ask Guy about crystal. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yo, yo, straight out of Detroit, y'all. It's the J-O-E to the C. Let's rock the party with Kid Rock. Oh, no, it's a lost child. Don't worry, folks. I'll tackle him. He's going to tackle him, though. Like, why Why was Homer going to tackle Joe C? Because he was a child. I've no idea. I think Homer just gets sort of caught up in the in the energy of such situations. Mm. I think he's very much in touch with his, his inner, not of his inner child, maybe his inner teenager or inner young adult. I think, you know, every time he gets the opportunity to sort of attend a a music festival, a blowout or something like that. He's all in. So, um, yeah, I think he just sort of wants to be part of the fun. Security stop him, obviously, and throw him back out into the crowd. This is where Kid Rock arrives. I must say, it's a hell of an entrance. Just rocks up, uh, does a big jump in the background, and that starts playing that really fucking catchy song, whatever it's called. Bar was a... Boss Baby. It's a really, really catchy song. I'm not saying it's a great song, but it's just really, really catchy. It is. Look, and look, introducing yourself with, yes, my name is... My name is Kid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's announcing your presence with authority. It's it's pretty good. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't cop to being a Kid Rock fan, but I will give respect where it's due. And yes, Kid brings the thunder with that particular entrance. Well, well done, I Kid wa- Rock. I, I watched several uh, interviews doing some research on Joe C., and he actually seems like a well-spoken, down-to-earth, nice person. <laughs> Kid Rock does, or Joe C did. Kid Rock, yeah. Oh, look, I think he, I think he sort of knows what works for him. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like he he knows he's sort of like the butt of jokes, but he doesn't yeah. care. Like he embraces it, and that that's what I can actually appreciate. He doesn't try and hmm. cover it up. He's like, yeah, I know people don't like me, but you know, this is my thing, and I'm going to do it. Yeah, and guess what? There are plenty of people who do like Kid Rock. Oh, 100%. Millions of people, of course. And I've read a lot of people here on the on our page, on the group, saying that they thought his, his guest appearance was one of the worst parts of the episode. I really, I could not disagree more. He's one of the more memorable parts of the episode, if you ask me. Well, did he sort of, did he add much in terms of comedy? I mean, it, I don't it didn't think necessarily. They, it didn't necessarily. That, add, so if you're saying as, as, a guest, as a guest appearance, it's not exactly, well, to, to find, what's a good guest appearance? Is a guest appearance meant to be one where they, it depends what you want from the from the character. Do you want them to be themselves and add comedy, or do you want them to just be memorable? If if you're talking about being memorable, this one was always very memorable for me, particularly the way mm. he started playing the song and Joe C and whatnot. But he doesn't really add much to the episode, like you were saying. So I can understand why people would think it's not a very good yeah. guest appearance. But it didn't ruin the episode by any means. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, when 
we had Beckman Turner Overdrive on a few episodes ago. And, you know, they played Taking Care of Business, but they also acknowledged, oh, yeah, everybody likes Taking Care of Business. And, yeah, they gave either Beckman or Turner or whoever, you know, a couple of lines each. And, of course, you know, these guys aren't, you know, bang on comedians, but they've got a sense of humour about themselves. So it's not just, oh, yeah, here's Beckman Turner Overdrive doing Taking Care of Business. They're also, you know, acknowledging taking care of businesses, you know, uh, role in the scheme of things. I don't know. Maybe if you had Kid Rock saying one or two things about himself as well, it might be more of a, a noteworthy guest appearance. But look, I don't... I am neither here nor there on Kid Rock's appearance in this. I mean, uh, he does fine, as, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, the family now on the boat tour. This is where we first see Captain Jack. And oh, he rolls over and shows his belly. What a delightful croc or alligator! He can, sorry, he can crawl up through my toilet any day. <laughs> <laughs> Kid Rock is now he's doing his performance. He's now singing, and Homer asks for the for the rapping granny. Is who's the rapping granny? Oh, I think it was very much a, a stereotype in in nineties movies. The wedding singer is the is the main one that comes to mind. Oh Maybe. yeah, where she sings um sugar. Does she Sugar does she does yeah. rappers delight by the Sugar Hill yeah. Gang? Yeah, yeah. And I mean I think it was a thing maybe more in commercials. It's like what's the most crazy juxtaposition we can have? How about an old white grandma doing hip hop? Oh my oh, wait, god. Here we go. Rapping Granny was actually a, a hip hop artist. Oh, okay. <laughs> known by <laughs> known by her okay. stage name, Rapping Granny, Vivian Lee Smallwood. She was an American grandmother who performed hip hop music. Uh, she, she was a contestant on the NBC show America's Got Talent during the 2006 season. Was she, I think, during the 90s, though? Okay. Uh, she's been working... Oh, she's been a Hollywood, Hollywood actress since the mid-90s. She appeared in numerous television shows with small parts and a few feature films. Some of her credits are Everybody Hates Chris, Malcolm in the Middle, The Shield. She's on The Shield. Wow. And The Lady Killers. I'm just trying to see. She must have been who they're referencing. She must have been I a thing in, in, in America, but not really a thing here. Fuck me. She I, had 15 grandchildren and nine great-grandchildren. Anyway, um, yeah, so... Because yeah, I was of the mind that, yeah, that rap and granny wasn't necessarily rap and granny. I just thought it was like, yeah, like that, that old lady from the, uh, from the wedding singer. I'm pretty sure that they, you know, a few other Hollywood comedies at the time had, um, yes, a, uh, an elderly lady doing hip-hop with hilarious results. Anyway, that's there you go, folks. A little bit of insight into who the rapping granny was, in case you didn't know. Because I sure didn't. <laughs> uh, Homer then skulls the beer, and we get Kid Rock calling him a beach. Homer then sings. Also, was it a was it a beer? Is it a forty ounce of beer? I thought it might be malt liquor. Oh well, it was 40, 40 gallons of something, and Homer drinks it. Yeah. And then Homer takes the microphone, and starts singing Jefferson Starship, and. <laughs> It's a great. I love that song, <laughs> and uh, I, I do. I do not Dando, but that's all right. <laughs> you don't like it? I think it's just one of those songs where it's just like it's so fucking ridiculous. But I mean, oh, you grew I, up. So I feel like when that song came out, you would have been like, "Oh, not listen to this fucking pop song." Like it would have been one of the songs that like you were in that age group yes. where it was embarrassing to listen to that song. So you, I, I, I think it. I was probably wearing like round John Lennon sunglasses and a ber- <laughs> and, and a beret, and it's probably like. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this isn't exactly REM or the replacements. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you were much better when you were Jefferson Starship. Why did? Why are you just called Starship now? Uh, why don't you just quit? 
<laughs> uh, he's about to give a Ho- Homer's about to receive a Joe C section until the sheriff arrives to stop them. We'll give that punk a Joe C section. Let's do this thing. All right now, boys, that's enough. Kid Rock, that's not like you. And Joe C, would your mama want you stretching out that sweatshirt like that? No, sir. Please don't tell mama. They called you a pig, sheriff. Well, I don't care what they call me, as long as they play Fists of Rage. That's a good song. <laughs> I always like that. Oh, please don't tell mama. Uh, what's good about this is that at least Joe C's performance, he almost he could take the piss out of himself with that line yes. there. Mm. So he apparently did all of his um, lines over the phone, by the way. He had, I mean, he, he lived quite the life for the last few years, but he had a, a very difficult life in the sense that he had to take uh, 65 different pills a day due to his oh. disease. and had to have, <laughs> As opposed um, to Kid Rock, who took 65 pills a day just for kicks. Yes, and, um, and, <laughs> and, and, and Joe C had to have dialysis every day. So it would not have been a very fun time for the majority of it, but um, yeah. Full credit to I'm sorry, I don't mean to make light of Joe C's plight. But, uh, but full credit to, uh, to Joe C's performance in the show. Um, I thought he did well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So Homer arrives back in the, um, in the hotel room. Marge is very, very worried. This is where we get the 15 boobs. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. Where were you? Guess how many boobs I saw today, Marge? 15. <laughs> I hope he didn't cause too much trouble, Sheriff. Ah, boys will be boys. I reckon he was just blowing off a little steam. <laughs> Doesn't he talk funny? So it's important here where Sheriff mentions that the boys will be boys because that's going to be referenced later in the episode. Mm-hmm. Homer wakes up. He now feels like he's cured. He doesn't have insomnia anymore. All the partying's made him feel better. He goes to continue his partying of spring break, but it's now all over. They're all going back to school. So he decides to take the family party on the boat instead. I just <laughs> love that the shot then the family just... Not interested. Louis Louis playing. Oh, Homer man. having the time of his life. <laughs> we built this city. This kicked this city. What kind of music built this city? Rock and roll. Dad, look out! Look out for what? The giant gator. The giant. <laughs> <laughs> You kill Captain Jack. You in a heap of trouble, son. So they've, so they've accidentally run over Captain Jack. Um, conveniently, the sheriff arrives just as that's about to happen, or just as it has happened. So here we got the uh, the sheriff. He's arresting the family. Homer tries to escape first, but he gets he gets attacked by the wee turtles. Um, so <laughs> here, uh, uh, I love to hear the delivery of. Did you have to uh, handcuff the children? No, ma'am, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> um, he I like reveals- that uh, when he when he puts the cuffs on uh, on Maggie and they they just slip off. He goes, eh, "We got a little teeny Houdini here." Yeah, <laughs> uh, he reveals that they get paid off during spring break, and um, but now that spring break's over, he's a real hard ass. So he goes to get uh, little tiny handcuffs for for Maggie, as you just said, because they slipped off. And this is where the family take the chance to escape. One of those um, jokes where you think they're going to get the keys and do it, but actually, no. He just breaks the uh, the handcuffs over the little nail, whatever <laughs> it is, that's holding the keys up. The sheriff comes out, realizes that they've got away. And the hat. I, I, I don't get what the point of the hat bouncing joke was. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, like, that was one of those ones. Like, yeah, this isn't really successful enough to... Or 
clever what, enough to sort of warrant it. No, like what? what I, was, I, was, I was just thinking, what on earth was the point of that? Anyway, it may, it maybe it's it maybe it's a bit of a a bit of a cliche that um, southern sheriffs, you know, when they're exasperated, will usually throw their hat to the ground in kind of frustration. I think that okay. Smokey in Smokey and the Bandit did it a fair bit. You know, whenever Burt Reynolds, you know, got away in his Camaro. Like, oh, mm-hmm. gosh, darn it. Or, you know, or, um, you know, who, who used to chase after the Dukes of Hazard all the time? I'm pretty sure oh, that, you know. I don't know. <laughs> they, they put their hat through a bit of damage as well. Okay, yeah. So maybe, maybe it's a shout out to that. Possibly. This moment here is the moment that seems to, it seems to be the moment that irked most of our, our listeners and whatnot on the groups and in the page, on the page. Uh, Homer drives in front of the train. So, there's two things to say about this. First of all, I didn't like the fact that, once again, he was willing to risk the lives of his family to get in front of the train. I was like, okay, so you put your kids' lives in danger again and there's no repercussions. That's the, the problem with that is with this episode is that Homer does all this rude shit and there's no repercussions for his actions. He has... It, it's, just, it's just absurd, in my opinion. But then they think they've gotten past the train... They land on the road. Here's another animation glitch. They get past the first train. They land on a road. It cuts to the sheriff being annoyed. It cuts back to the Simpsons and they're all of a sudden on a second set of train tracks. Yes. Yeah, it's... I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I can articulate that all this this well, but I mean, uh, all that well, but I mean, I think we've talked in the past about how I think it's important for the Simpsons or any, any comedy... To sort of have a genuine emotional kind of core or logic. Like, you know, I mean, you sort of buy that, you know, Homer loves his family and all that stuff. And or and Homer's, you know, generally a good person. He's good to his family and friends, occasionally insensitive or, you know, clueless or careless or whatever. Now now he only loves his family when it suits the story they're trying to tell for that episode. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I mean... Um, yeah, it seems like they're throwing away that internal logic for the sake of not even good gags half the time, but sort of cheap gags. So, I mean, look, I'll admit I got a laugh out of, you know, when Homer's sort of, you know, driving like mad to, you know, to uh, beat the train. And I think Marge says, you'll kill us all. Oh, day train. I mean, <laughs> it, it, look, it's not a great line, but it's a good line. Um, I, I, we also skipped over it was my well I skipped over it when he tries to start the car and Lisa's like you can't drive without a license well, I'm going to try anyway yeah. it worked <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah so yeah, they've been hit by another train this is the moment where a lot of people watch it and go yeah I've officially tapped out this this is what they consider the jump the shark moment where the train hits the car and not only is the car not really all that damaged but Homer then goes let's just go to sleep and not only does Homer mm. go to sleep but then the family all decide yeah, let's all just go to sleep whilst we're being driven by or being hit by a train and dragged on the train tracks. The other problem, the, the other problem with it is they come back from commercial. They're still being dragged by the train. So what? The driver of the train just didn't stop the train at all. He just kept driving. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's one of those moments where you just like. I enjoyed this episode, but this is the moment where I went. This is where I can understand why people would have gone enough's enough mm. because and and it's why just did the fucking, yeah. Why did the engineer choose the moment when Homer had come back with sandwiches and all that and, and having a chat to knock them off the car, to knock them off the train? I don't know. Yeah, to- it's just, it's, this was the moment where I went, what the fucking hell was Swartzwater thinking? This was, this was, this was too much. It was silly. Mm. The fact that the, 
like I can maybe buy into the fact that Homer thought he would go to sleep, even as silly as what that is. It sort of fits yeah. the ridiculous character they got now. But the fact that the family, like Lisa and Marge, all went, "Oh yeah, let's just go to sleep as well. We'll be fine." Like, come on. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so they all wake up. And they're being they're being jibbied off by the uh, by the driver. And they come across a diner. They take all the wanted signs off. I really enjoyed the um the the owner of the diner. I like that. <laughs> That's Tress McNeil, right? Is it trust It does sound like trust me now that you say that, but I didn't actually mm. look into it. But yeah, it does sound like her. You took the signs out of the window? That's pretty presumptuous. How do you know I'm going to hire you? Sorry. I just want to be a broom boy so bad. I like your attitude. You're hired. How about you, Missy? You want to be a mop girl? Not really, no. I like your honesty. You're hired. And you two haven't said a word. I like that. You're hired. Woohoo! Hey, keep it down. Yeah, she gets a lot of mileage out of that. I like that gag. You know, she it's 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 good. Um, that's just good veteran. I mean, I, look, I, I don't know how much of a veteran Tress McNeil is. No, oh, she's a veteran. It, yeah, yeah, but that's just good. You know, fundamental comic timing, making the most of that gag. You know, one yeah. one that's got a sort of repeated punchline, but being able to sort of kill it with each repetition. Yeah, that's good stuff. She offers him the trailer. What I dug about this was that the family seemed to really enjoy their jobs. Like they've really embraced the uh, the diner lifestyle, even Marge yeah. with her little outfit and everything. <laughs> <laughs> they, they then unfortunately hear the the story on the on the radio that um, they're now wanted criminals, and the owner hears it. So Homer here is about to knock her out. <laughs> I, I, I did like this. So she's like, "Don't, don't, don't worry, you got no problem here." Homer's still trying to hit her. <laughs> <laughs> the family have now all become essentially the Beverly Hillbillies. They've all become hicks. And you said you didn't like this. I, I didn't mind it. A lot of people actually thought this was some of their favourite moments, but you didn't like it or? I didn't hate it, but it just felt a little kind of, um, as I said, patronising or condescending. Yeah, yep. I mean, okay. look, your, your mileage may vary, but mm, yeah, it's just the whole sort of, um, I, I, I agree with you actually that the, the, the diner lifestyle does seem kind of nice. Yeah, and, and, and laid back and relaxed and all that, but... Uh, I feel like the diner lifestyle is sort of like a holiday home. I wouldn't want to live there forever, but it'd be good for a break. Yes, yeah. <laughs> That's your idea of a break, making hash browns and, and mopping up. <laughs> Another moment here, so I've got, okay, so the sheriff's now dragging them away. I felt like it needed a scene of the sheriff finding them. They're just, all of a sudden, the sheriff's just found them. I was like, okay. Yeah. Like, it's like, maybe that was another deleted scene. I'm not too sure, but... It just felt like there was a lot of moments in this episode where I'm just like, oh, it just felt like there was a chunk of the story cut out. I was like, what the hell's going on? Okay, so the sheriff's now arresting them, whatever. So we get to the court case. Homer, rep- Homer represents himself. Well, first up is the state of Florida versus the Simpson family. Your Honor, I'd like to represent myself. Drunken Hicks of the jury. <laughs> the sheriff has now arrived to say that he, um, they need some help at the just sort of like some sort of ball, wasn't it? What what was it exactly? Uh, yeah, just sort of uh, just a, a soiree or get together. Yeah, uh, a, for a uh, for, event. for Florida high society. <laughs> Probably the line of the episode here, I reckon, is from the Whitman. No listening, you hear me? <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. Uh, Homer is asked to play some jazz piano. Turns out he's actually really good at it when you whip him. Yeah. When he gets whipped, absolutely. Yes. Marge decides she's going to sweet talk the sheriff while the kids um, steal the keys and they all can escape. One of my favourite lines, by the way, when she's um, you know, sort of complimenting his suit. You know, is it a seersucker suit? Well, it's close. It's a nearsucker. 
Actually, compliments how red his neck is. It's it's just good wordplay. Uh, so yeah, so they they think they're about to escape, and then the whip man closes the door and sets up the ring of fire. I didn't like I I didn't get the whole family clapping him. I was like, I, I get it, it's impressive, but it's like <laughs> you're fucked. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and luckily for them, this is where Captain Jack arrives, and viewers around the world were going, "What the hell is going on?" Because this <laughs> alligator was dead five minutes ago. But yes, if you check out the DVD set, apparently the scene that was deleted is on there, showing that they had the um, had the viewing, and ca- that's why Captain Jack was in the building. Uh, they then get kicked out of Florida. They're not ever welcome back. We cut to them back home, and there's only two states left for them to go to. It's North Dakota and Arizona, but Arizona smells funny, so they settle on North Dakota. But unfortunately, that's not where Bart wants to go, is it? Yes, he, he wanted to see Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore is apparently in North Dakota, not South Dakota. Is in... Oh, is it South Dakota? I've got North Dakota here. Was it in, oh, was oh maybe, I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Sorry. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's in South Dakota and North Dakota is the only one that lets them in. Ah. Um, so, yes, kill the alligator and run. This was, honestly, when I went into season 11, there's two, there was two episodes I was really looking forward to going back and revisiting. It was this one and it's the season finale behind the laughter because it's funny because I, as a kid, I'm gonna say I enjoyed this episode a lot when I was a kid. I think I watched it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Because I wasn't watching it, I wasn't trying to critique the show, I was just watching it to enjoy it, and I used to really enjoy it. Um, and behind the laughter, I fucking despised as a kid, because I had no idea what was going on, I didn't know what they were going for. But it's funny, you read reviews now, and behind the laughter is an acclaimed episode, and this one's like the Jump the Shark episode, and I always thought, that's weird, because when I was a kid, it was the other way around. So, I've gone back, and I can I can, I can now understand why people don't like it. To say it's the worst episode of all time, not by a long stretch. Is it the worst episode we've reviewed to date? It's probably in maybe the top 10 episode worst episodes we've reviewed to date um, from season one to now, but it's not that bad. It's just, it's as we we're mentioning at the start, it's just the episode where I guess a lot of people sort of went, it was the one that really opened up people's eyes is to say, okay, this isn't the Simpsons we remembered. Yes, it's indicative of a state of decline or... Uh, or, yeah, a dip from the glory days. Yeah. What did we learn, Palmer? What did you learn from the episode, Mr. Davis? I think the, the most valuable lesson one can take away from this episode is uh, steer clear of the wang. <laughs> Stay away from America's wang. <laughs> Especially now. Uh, look, <laughs> yeah, very our, much so. Our thoughts and prayers go out to everybody who's listening from Florida. Fuck me, you guys are in some trouble and it's so sad to see. So if you're out there, just try and stay safe, man. Indeed. It's... Um, it's uh, Mask up, about- stay indoors. Yes, all mask that good up. Stuff. Yeah, that's it. Just the, listen the to four finger discount. Yes, the world's not in a good good place at the moment. But you know, if we all just stick together and follow the follow the uh, the advice from the health professionals, we'll all get through this and we'll be stronger at the other end as a result. Your lesson from this, uh, Mister Dan? Oh shit! What did I learn from this episode? Um, I learned don't cut scenes out of the fucking episode that make that are like <laughs> that bridge the gap to make sense. Because fuck me, I really want to. For 20 years, I've wondered how that alligator got in that building. <laughs> yeah. even, even if you do want to cater to Guy and his really, you know, sort of niche yes. <laughs> old Hollywood bloody you know, personalities, no, do better by Dando. <laughs> Jamil! Jamil is here! Ooh. First question here from Andrew Parker. What's up, Parks? Yeah, one vehicle of your choice from any fictional or real universe. What are you choosing? Oh, good golly. Oh, that's a very good question. Um, one vehicle. Um, 
What's the one you would like to drive around in the most? Like, what's the one you would feel the coolest driving around in? I feel like the Batmobile has way too many gadgets that end up killing innocent people by accident. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Christian Bale says in Batman Begins, can you drive stick? Um, and I can't. I, I can't drive manual. So um, I, I, I learnt in manual, but I haven't driven a manual for a long time. <laughs> I don't know. Look, maybe Steve McQueen's uh, Mustang and Bullet. Uh, that's okay. a pretty nice. That's a pretty sweet ride. Um, I think the Millennium Falcon. If we're going any vehicle, that's a spaceship. But if we're going like a car. Oh f- yeah, or or I- Luke's land speeder. I like the idea of a land speeder. Oh yeah, that's very yeah, it's very cool because you feel like you could dri- drive around town in a land speeder. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, you could. Yeah, <laughs> if, you could, if I had a land speeder, I'd totally get replica C three PO Nitro GTs from work. Just sit them in the back <laughs> and, just, <laughs> and just drive around. It'd be amazing. Um, other vehicles that I like. Oh, when, I was, when I was a kid, I was always fond of fond of the um, Mutt's Cuts, whatever it is from Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> oh, oh, you've you've actually got me thinking about like maybe one of the cars from Wacky Races now. Mm-hmm. Which one? Did you ever watch Wacky Races? I used to love. Wacky oh races. yeah, that was, was that was one of my on favorite Agro, cartoons yeah. when I was a kid. Um, and I'm trying to remember what I really dug from that. I mean, you look at you know Peter Perfect's mobile, which is you know. By the way, very phallic. <laughs> you look at it; it's basically a dick. Um, <laughs> what did Dick Darcy? I remember thinking with, with that Muttley. was a pretty sweet ride. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. Dick Darcy and Muttley's ride was pretty sweet as well, actually. Yeah, yeah. As long as Muttley came with it. Oh yeah, got have Muttley. Got have man's best friend. If, if we're going, if we're really pushing the boundary here, in regards to the films we've just been watching to review, I'd want Bill and Ted's telephone box. <laughs> that would be the vehicle you want. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That or the DeLorean, the the flux capacitor. It's got to have Einstein as well, though. Same with Muttley. True. True. <laughs> so Rowan J. Aardvark says, have you guys ever experienced spring break or schoolies? I've certainly experienced schoolies. What about yourself? Um, I didn't do schoolies as such. I mean, um, at, at the end of year 12, uh, there, was like, there were like two groups that organized these big end of year parties and they were like a day apart. Um, one was at the this guy's sort of property slash farm in uh, somewhere in rural Victoria. I can't remember exactly where. Uh, and then there was one, not the following night, but a night after that at yeah some public space or whatever. And, you know, it was all of us in year 12. We all sort of, uh, you know, made our way there in various convoys and what have you. But so, um... Yeah, and that, they were great fun. I mean, we we you know, just got absolutely blitzed and, you know, danced the night away and probably made out with some people that we shouldn't have made out with and, you know, uh, you know, did that whole, you, you know, we're never going to see each other things. So you declare love to the girl that you're never going to see again and then she's like, <laughs> go to hell, nerd. Uh, all that kind of business. That was good stuff. I mean, oh, actually there were, there were three parties like that, but one was like a, um, one was actually in the Melbourne CBD and oh god i mean sorry this is a boring story to say but i just, I just got so so drunk <laughs> that i ended up like in the gutter at uh, outside the place just <clears throat> i'm having a bit of a puke and just unable to get up i was just that blitzed but i do recall that the girl who was sort of organizing the party i think her parents were there because it was like the end of the night and they were shutting it all down and i could hear her say don't let them see him <laughs> so I, it's always just a cautionary tale. Oh, uh, dear, yeah. My so school- um, so no, no, no schoolies, no spring break, unfortunately. But uh, 
something approximating that. Do you have any cool sort of schooly stories? I did. I did schoolies. Um, so me being the little entrepreneur that I am, I remember. <laughs> so they had a supermarket that was about, this is in Lawn, down here near Geelong. Yeah. And we were up in the camping grounds and they had a supermarket down there, which was about, I'd say two to three K at least walk from where, we were camp, where the campsite was. And I remember I went down there and I walked to the supermarket and bought like three kilos of sausages. And I had my dad's little portable barbecue, a little, little small one. And oh. I went down there and I think I bought three kilos of sausages for like 20 bucks or something. But then I went down and cooked all the sausages on the barbecue and sold them for $2.50 each and made so much profit. And that, that oh, was my drink. player. And that was my drinks. Mm. <laughs> Paid for. <laughs> nice one, Dando. That's great. But I remember there was one, it was the Saturday night, I remember, because we're at the, the Lawn Pub. I think it's the Lawn Pub. It's on the corner there. And these girls, I was with my mate Ryan, and these girls were like, do you want to come skinny dipping? And I was like, Ooh. all right, well, I'm probably never going to have the chance to ever do this again, so let's just do it. And my mate Ryan was kind of like, I can tell he was like, oh, I don't really want to. And it was nighttime. I was like, yeah, fuck it, let's do it. So we get to the beach, Kit comes off, and Ryan, Ryan's just like, yeah, I'm not going in. I'm like, you've got to come in. And they're, they're already running out into the water, and he was like, no, what's going to happen is... You go in and I'll hide their clothes. And I was like, you do what you want, man, but I'm going in the water. I went in the water, came back. Sure enough, their clothes are missing. My clothes are missing as well. So we're now at the beach, no clothes on. <laughs> so I'm like, what do we do? And at lawn, there's like these trampolines that are part of the... Um, yeah. Like, they're like built into the ground. For like half an hour, we just bounced on the trampolines with nothing on. It was a fucking great time. <laughs> oh my God, what a dope memory. Oh, that's a fantastic story. It was a, it was a good night. <laughs> <laughs> Did what happened? What happened to Ryan in your clothes? Did he ever come back for them? Or he took my clothes back to the campsite, and then I got, so basically these girls were staying at the um the room above one of the shops, like a hotel, and they got there, yeah, and they were they were there with um a friend of theirs, a guy, and he let me borrow some clothes. I went back to my campsite, I got back, and I was like, dude, you took my clothes, and he goes, oh yeah, I didn't think. I thought I was doing you a favour by bringing your clothes back with you, <laughs> but not thinking that he was actually leaving me on the beach of lawn with no clothes on. But, but are, yeah, you, are they, you still friends with Ryan now? Because, I mean, I would probably cut that guy loose. <laughs> <laughs> well, he hid their clothes for me. But he's, um, I'm still friends with him, but I haven't, I, I'm still friends with him, but I'm not, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I haven't seen him for a long time. But I, if I saw him, I would still hang out with him and have a beer. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so bouncing <laughs> naked for half an hour on the trampolines at lawn is my schoolie's memory. Oh, Fantastic. <laughs> Alrighty, let's do a couple more questions and we'll wrap this bad boy up. Alrighty. Talia Enrico says, if you could ban anyone from visiting Geelong for life, who would it be? Anybody past Werribee at the moment? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> this is not really a hypothetical question, Talia. Um, uh, um, anyone from Geelong? Hmm, I don't know. I don't really like the ideas of when it, sometimes we get questions of who would, if you had the chance to kill somebody, who would it be? Or if you had the chance to ruin someone's life, who would it be? I don't like the answer to that. I don't want to make someone's life harder. <laughs> No, no. Well, well, let's let's sort of uh, uh, Skim focus past. on the ex- accentuate <laughs> the positive here on four um, finger discount. I've, who would we ban from Geelong? That yeah, no, no. Come to Geelong, everyone. See yes. see what we've got going on down here. Uh, so we have got here a question. Well, not really a question. It's um we asked a couple of weeks ago for people to send in their if they were going to do a Simpsons marathon. What ten episodes would they air? So yes. Eric Lutringer has written in. He says. Hey, Dando and Guy, please enjoy my list of top 10 episodes. This list would work for someone who has never seen the show and equally, and would equally entertain the most diehard of fans. So he has got, uh, in no particular order because he hasn't got them listed, but he's got Lemon of Troy, which is the Lemon Tree episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, the PTA disbands where the teachers go on strike. The, uh, the birth of a purple monkey dishwasher. We've got Last Exit to Springfield, which is the, uh, when they go on strike. 
and you know we get the um the the strike song we'll march day and night that one mm-hmm. uh classical gas marge versus the monorail springfield or yeah. how i learned to stop worrying about and enjoy legalized gambling or whatever the fucking episode is called where marge gets the gambling problem gamble uh bart's comet homer versus the 18th amendment which is where he uh the beer baron that one 22 short films about springfield you only move twice, which is Hank Scorpio, and Treehouse of Horror Five, which is the one with the shinning, uh, the time and punishment, and the cafeteria nightmare cafeteria. So they are ten fantastic episodes. That would be one hell of a of a Simpsons marathon for sure. Excellent marathon, Eric. Eric, yes. did you say? Yes, yes, Eric. Yes, I thank you for sending that in, Eric. And uh, yes, that will wrap up the mailbag for this week. Don't forget, guys, send in your reviews on iTunes and I will read them out. That's what I'm going to do right now. Hop onto the iTunes four-finger discount. We'd love to hear from each and every one of you. If you've got the time, jump on. It'll take you a minute or so. Send us a review. Give us five stars and we'll read your review out on the air. So we've got one. We've got plenty here, actually. We've got hundreds of them. Let's get Ooh. one. Alrighty. So this one is from Danny Did. He says, am I safe? So, just started, and right off the bat, it's as great as the distance any 10-year-old boy would run while being chased by an off-colored banana-eating quidjibo, which is to say it's very good. Yeah, it's a bit of a stretch for a compliment, but I'm not great at the jokes. I'll leave the commentaries to you guys. I'm pretty sure I'll be here listening to you for quite a long time. P.S. I have heard that not giving a five-star rating will raise my chances of getting cancer. That's something that Mitch read. So, am I safe now? <laughs> yes, yes, you are. I think you are. So, thank you for writing in. So, thank you for writing in, Danny Did. I'll read oh, one more Mitch. out here. Uh, we've got here from Nod Dog. They say, the guys do a great job. This is by far the best Simpsons podcast out there. Relatable and in-depth, highly recommended. Thank you so much, oh. Nod Dog, for your review. But yeah, guys, send in your reviews. Just go, just Google, uh, you know, four-finger discount iTunes or just how, however you can access the iTunes uh database to leave a five-star review and write a review a five-star rating sorry um that would be much much appreciated don't forget if you want to get access to a bunch of exclusive podcasts get this show a week early and our simpsons audio commentaries i'm gonna actually chuck up our commentary mr davis of moaning lisa to the free feed next week so that they oh, can good get one. a taste of our commentary we also have been <laughs> reviewing the uh, the bill and ted films recently in in our preparation for bill and ted 3 coming out and i'm so excited um, I just finished watching Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey for the first time in a good decade last night and it made me just as happy yesterday as it did when I was, you know, 10 years old watching that movie. I fucking idolise that film. So I can't wait to review that as well for the patrons. But yes, guys, thank you so much for your support. Hope you enjoyed our review of Kill the Alligator and Run. Next week is an episode called Last Tap Dance in Springfield. I'm going to say that when this first aired, I missed it. This is one of the ones I had to go back and rewatch. I don't know how or why I missed it. I probably had to go out to a family dinner or something and I would have been ropeable <laughs> that I was missing the all-new Simpsons. But this is one that I reckon I've seen maybe twice in my life. So uh, once again, I'm looking forward to going back and seeing whether this one is actually any good or not because I can't really remember too much besides the fact that Lisa takes up ballet, I believe. But yes, guys, like I said, thank you so much for your support. Mr. Davis, got anything else you want to tell the listeners before we, uh, before um, we wrap things up? I think the only thing I've got to say is take them off the glass. Shh.